Welcome to Hormone Health Podcast, brought to you by Georgia Hartman and Chloe Sheehan. This podcast is an extension of Hormone Health Studio, which is our naturopathic clinic based here in Newcastle and online. We're just two naturopaths who love a laugh, coffee, croissants, and conversations about real people with real health concerns. Nothing's off limits. We're here to educate you on what's happening in your body, share emerging research, and debunk buried health misconceptions. So sit back and let us do the talking. chatting with one of our naturopaths, Takia, who is currently on maternity leave and she's joining us to talk all about her birth with her daughter, April, which, uh, April, <laughs> Opal, maybe she should have got her daughter, April, Opal, Opal, sorry, Takia, I uh, could edit that out, but let's just keep rolling, the that's, car's that's in drive. Fine. Exactly. I'm so excited to hear from her. I would love to have a home birth, but I don't know why I, I'm... I'm just so fearful. Like I know what I'm like when I have period pain, let alone like going through labor and birth. So I'm fascinated to hear from her, but you also had a home birth. Yeah. And I think first time round, like you're, and we've spoken about being naive before, but like you kind of, you kind of are the second time, you know, I had planned to have a home birth and it just didn't quite work out that way, which was fine. But now, you know, I'd love to have another baby at some point and would love to try home birth again but now that I've had a cesarean I don't know like I think I've got a bit of work to do to work through that before what like physical work or like mentally no mentally I think physically I've recovered fine and they say to um I don't know give your body 12 months or something but so physically I'm fine but I think mentally just it was such a different labor like it, it just such a different experience that I'd have to kind of yeah do some work to kind of get in the zone because the last place you want to be is in your neocortex doll when you're in labor you need to be in your mammalian brain oh my gosh i'll be i'll be like <laughs> i'll be in a t-shirt <laughs> that's how much i know so far no it's exciting it's like birth is like the most liberating thing like it's the best i can't wait to do it again so we're going to ask her all the juicy questions yeah. and get all the advice you know everyone this is like everyone's individually allowed to choose how they want to birth but I think the biggest thing is that they should feel informed and empowered about their decisions yes so I'm I'm so excited let's get her on we have Takia speaking with us today all about her planning of her home birth Takia we are so excited to speak with you thank you for joining us today Likewise, I'm just as excited to be here. I'm more excited for you to return to clinic, but this is, yes, no, <laughs> this is exciting. And for people that don't know, Takia is one of our practitioners and she'll be returning in January, which is super exciting. And I think it's so nice for your clients as well, who you saw in the lead up to having Opal, they would have known that you were pregnant and to just hear your story and they know you. So it's it's going to be really nice for the your clients who have followed you along in this journey. Absolutely. They'll know that I had issues behind the screen too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We had a couple of people message when we announced that you had had Opal and announced. Was a girl and, well, you know. <laughs> yeah, it sounds formal. Share? Yeah. Share. Yeah. Maybe share. 
Um, and a couple of your clients like sent really nice messages that I forwarded on to you that were just like, oh, it's, you know, send her all. Like it's so nice. It's we're so invested. Nice. We're very we are, invested. We are. We are. Um, so Takia, maybe you can start us off with a little bit of your journey to conceiving um, and what that looked like for both you and Matt. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it was kind of pretty much what I've described to most people anyway, I think, in terms of that um, year before we started taking some supplements and making sure we cleaned up our diet and weren't drinking alcohol and all the basic sort of things just to keep our bodies healthy um, until we really jumped in and started trying. Um, There was, I guess, in the conceiving journey, we had a bit of a um, moment where w- that we didn't expect it would have been in terms of um, having miscarried before we had Opal uh, that was something that we didn't plan for obviously no one does but mm. it was um, a bit of a surprise when we had done all that preparing beforehand. I think you know like sharing something so personal like that and considering you're like one of the healthiest people I know um, I think it just really breaks through that stigma of miscarriage is something that you've done wrong and it can happen to anybody anywhere um, and no one plans for it Um, but yeah thank you for sharing that Mm, thank you yeah you're right no one plans for it and even myself there was a little bit of a shame going on too because I was quite healthy and I was yeah practitioner myself and I was really confused as to what I'd done Um, but yeah at the end of the day it's sort of that idea that um miscarriage doesn't have to always have a reason for it sometimes it's yeah it's basic at its core and um it wasn't the right one yeah Yeah. and then how did you go navigating that and then deciding to try again and have another like how was that whole journey for you um actually uh it was a pretty quick turnaround in terms of us trying again to be honest uh because my body was it it processed the miscarriage quite quickly physically. I um, actually ovulated three weeks after um, and I was really quite surprised uh, by that. And by then, although it was a big strain on us mentally, I sort of just said to Matt, like, Matt's my husband, I just said, um, like, should we go again? Like, I feel okay for that. I feel ready mentally, even though it was really hard. I think it would be nice to try again. And that's when we fell with Opal. And that's what we sort of recommend with clients. You know, it's really up to if you're ready physically, if you're ready Mm -hmm. mentally, there's no like rules in place. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. you might hear, wait, three months, do this, do that. But it's really individual. Yeah, I agree. And that's what we took by. uh, We weren't really sure what that would look like post. So we just kept bringing up the discussion and it happened to be that first time. And considering you fell pregnant quite soon after a loss, how were you feeling from a mental health perspective? Where was your head at? Uh, the first 12 weeks was horrible. Um, I was wanting to do as many tests as possible and, like, each day was a bit of a struggle to try and go through. Like, every wipe I went to the bathroom, mm. I would have a look for blood. Like, it was it was quite frightening. Yeah, definitely. I can and imagine. do you feel like you turned a corner come like the 12 week scan or like at what point was it that you felt um a little relieved yeah I think it was the 12 week scan like I really because all of a sudden they look like a little being um Mm. rather than this tiny little um round blob like I really that was when we could see her developing and that's when I was like oh all right I think 
think we're okay. Like it feels right. Everything's still everything well. Just a really strong heartbeat. All those sorts of things were tick, tick, tick. Yeah. And how how did you feel in that first trimester? What were your symptoms? Um, I was pretty tired. I think I remember messaging Georgia and being like, I'm on the lounge today. I'm sorry. <laughs> or I would have a quick nap between clients. Um, and the beauty of working from home, right? Like it's <laughs> yeah. like you got slippers on, you've got your pajamas on. It's just yep. nice top, a bit of makeup and then rest in between. Yeah. The makeup was definitely uh, in well use at that point. Um, <laughs> I was looking pretty horrible uh, and nausea wise, it was, um, I didn't, I wasn't really vomity, which was I was really thankful for but the nausea was pretty intense um which did make it hard and the hot flushes and um those were the main things I experienced yeah how long did you experience symptoms until up until about 16 weeks yeah, and things okay. settled a little um for the second trimester and everything was quite good into the third and then by the time I got to the third it was the reflux because my stomach was so squished um and those things uh, the heat was definitely the one that got me I was so glad I was not pregnant during um, summer. Well, the end of pregnancy wasn't in summer. I was quite relieved by that. I think my sister, when she was pregnant, she like had a diet. Her diet was just Gaviscon. She'd be like, yeah, my Gaviscon milkshake for breakfast. (laughs) I was like, okay, that's disgusting. You might as well eat chalk. But, yeah, you do what you got to do, hey. Yeah, absolutely. You really do what you have to do and even all the things that we prescribe. I tried all of them and none of it worked. I did not want to go anywhere near ginger mm-hmm. and everyone swears by it. Mm-hmm. Mm, I'll do like, yeah, ginger beer, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ginger biscuits. No good. <laughs> um, so how did you decide on how you wanted to be supported throughout your pregnancy? You know, for people listening who may be either first-time mums or maybe even even thinking about trying to fall pregnant or maybe they just want to change from their how they originally birthed, talk us through your journey with deciding that. Yeah, so I early on in my pregnancy I learned about what matrescence um, was and that really got me like, um, understanding the fact that it's such a huge change with your body like it's equivalent to adolescence and really let's face it, I went to, into adolescence not supported and not knowing mm-hmm. what was going on so I wanted to make that different for going into this change and I basically went full force in terms of I had psychologist physio I had cleaners ready to go for postpartum um, just to support me. All my friends, I was telling them a lot of things about like how I wanted the postpartum to look like in the nicest possible way, like just that I needed that support and I needed them to be there. Brownies, um, carrot cake, yes, so this is your banana bread. <laughs> Mondays, Emily, I will have <laughs> yes. by 7am coffee at my door mm. and a three-course meal. Thanks. And that's what I got. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) And so what about from a um, professional care support uh, in terms of did you go GP share, uh, care share, did you go through the hospital, did you have an obstetrician? Yeah, so I actually had a private midwife. Um, I didn't do shared care at all. I had a GP referral for um, my midwife and then I didn't really go anywhere near a hospital or a doctor's office. I had all of my consults at home. Um, my midwife turned up here and we'd have a cup of tea and sit out in the sun together and chat for an hour. Um, and that's how she would turn up. And she was my main practitioner throughout the whole um, birth and postpartum as well. Sounds a lot better than waiting like three or four hours in a hospital setting for 
to yeah. see four different people with a full bladder mm. <laughs> yeah, so she absolutely. would give you referrals for blood testing and scans or anything yeah yes yeah she did um we decided just to do the 20 week scan and not do any after that um I didn't really feel like I needed to and we discussed that I had a really low risk pregnancy so I was very lucky in that way um which made the process a lot um simpler in that we didn't need many tests um I did drop my iron dropped quite a bit during pregnancy, so I was checking in on that um, with blood tests, but they just were all referred by my midwife, Anna. How did you find her? How did you know who to choose? I feel like it's so hard to know who you're going to gel with. Yeah, absolutely. So I sent a message to everybody possible um, <laughs> in the area, and uh, a lot of them were actually already booked out. So I waited until about 10 weeks to actually reach out because I was really nervous still the first um, pregnancy uh, ending in loss. So I just didn't know how early to get in touch. And really, like, uh, now it would be as soon as you do um, get a positive pregnancy test would be the best time to get in contact with a uh, private midwife because they just are so busy. Um, So a lot of them weren't available. Um, I then met with Anna because she said she was available. It was very quick. She messaged back and was like, all right, I've got one space left you're right. If we have to do it, we need to meet really quickly. And I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. So I met with like her. It's happening. Night. Yeah. It's all happening. I met with her really quick um, for a couple and I just really loved her. She felt very comfortable in the space. Um, like in terms of a home, she helped herself to the tea cupboard. Like she was just such a warm, <laughs> yeah, loving energy. She was, yeah. She has gotten here. Yeah. She's like, I want to <laughs> Yeah. She was like, oh, too much herbal stuff. <laughs> I want the hard no, stuff. No, she loved the herbal stuff. Every time okay. I'd make her own herbal mix, she loved it. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, she was just. She'd come to she my house and a... get Milo. <laughs> <laughs> you got Milo, Makona. What do you want? I'm thinking she, about like Milo. Milo. Yeah, warm. Well, I used to put I used to put Milo on ice cream. Yeah, that's not, <laughs> not <Okay>. special. <laughs> It's my childhood. It's been years since I've had Milo. Do you actually have it at your house? Yeah. Do you have it regularly? Yes. Hot or cold? <laughs> cold is a bit gross. I don't know. I think about drinking a cold glass of milk and I'm like. It's almond milk, but. Gro- yeah. That's even worse. It's like water. It's like watery, flaky almond. Yeah. Almond. Milo. Um, Takia. Sorry. <laughs> so can I ask, did you do a nip test? I didn't. Okay. And was there anything in terms of this feels like an interview? Because like, yeah, I want to know. Okay, so being crossed there. No, did you? <laughs> it's so individual, I guess. It you is, know, it is. because in terms of like, you had your twelve week scan, and that for you would be so reassuring. Not everyone gets the nip mm. test done. Um, was there ever a point that you felt like you were missing out on anything by going through private midwifery care or were you pretty happy with that process? No, I was really happy with it. Um, I felt quite relieved by just knowing that it was all at home. I didn't have to stress about getting anywhere or have that added fear from people as well. I was Mm. trying to really um, make sure I kept my headspace very safe and like I was only letting in the information I really wanted to and not letting in that worry not that I'm saying that medical fields are always just fear-based I just it was something that for me I didn't need to be involved in particularly given like the anxiety and the experience that you had gone through months before you know it was so soon before entering this pregnancy and having to make these decisions so 
it's so important that you put boundaries up like that, particularly early on in pregnancy before you then enter labor birth and what comes next with family and friends and keeping your space. I want to hear about your labor and birth. Are we there yet? Can we? Well, yeah, like I guess more like the planning. Did you, in terms of like the prep and then we get into the nitty gritty gory, not gory. (laughs) She's such a, she's such a planner. She needs to, okay, so you went from A to B and then how did you get from B (laughs) to C? Yeah. Because I confuse our listeners. Yeah, I, I feel. It's all good. Thanks, Takia. <laughs> Whisper that as if it's not recorded. No, Takia, what, how, how did you know how you wanted to plan your home birth and what were your sort of resources? Uh, so my resources were um, actually the best resource I read um, throughout my whole pregnancy was by um, Rhea Dempsey. She wrote, wrote a book called I'm Birthing in Confidence. That was by far my favorite book to read. I read it twice. Um, it was fantastic. And just like the mental side of things and how to deal with fear and what births can look like and how that impact of the environment and the people that you have in your space and how that um, works with the outcome of birth. And that really hit home for me. I listened to The Great Birth Rebellion a lot. Mm. I listened to pretty much all the Australian birth stories, um, home births, Um and a lot of the midwife's cauldron um, to really get an idea of what there was. I mean, they go deep into like research and the hormones and the processes, which from our background, that was really easy for me to learn. So for some people, it is a little bit tricky to grasp everything they're talking about, but they really do put the research out and allow you to pick and choose what you would like to take from it. And for me, um, birthing at home was just an option that I really wanted and my husband as well was really really supportive of it too he didn't see the point of us being in a hospital um I also wasn't all that keen on being in a hospital setting with a history of sexual abuse as well so I just didn't want people in my space that I wasn't comfortable with whereas Anna Mm. had built this relationship over the whole time so if there was a need for her to be within um, that space, I was okay with that and I was welcoming of that. Um, So that was a really important thing for me. That's such a good point because when we think generally about hospitals, they're where you go when you need that support, either safe from trauma, you know, such as miscarriage or in your case what you went through. Um, And they've got almost like this negative environment towards them where it's just like go, 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 emergency, this and that. And Um, I forget where I heard this quoted from, but uh, when I was listening to someone talking about um, ways in which you want to birth, let it be either sleepy or sexy. So if you wouldn't have sex in that environment or you wouldn't sleep in that environment, you wouldn't birth in that environment. (laughs) And I thought that was really cool. If it's not sleepy or sexy, it's not birthy. That's what the quote was. And it's absolutely true. Like that's how I felt for our space. Like it was really set up that way. It was very quiet. And so, but although I did have two of my best friends there, but they saw Would all of me. Would you have sex in front of them? They <laughs> <laughs> are very close friends. They are my best friends. <laughs> was that a plan to have your best friends there? Yeah. So I actually asked them to be there uh, because I wanted them to be there to support Matt as well and make sure that he was feeling okay. And that if he needed to take a breather or step out, because obviously it was something he'd never experienced either. So Mm. we weren't sure how that was going to be for him. I really wanted him to have people to lean on as well, or just to, yeah, have someone to talk to, particularly while the midwife wasn't there. Um, Because seeing your partner going through something that's so intense and so painful I just wanted him to be really in a space that he felt comfortable comfortable as well and not fearful. Um, and 
I felt really strong about needing women in the space. Yeah. And honestly, it was one of the best decisions. Oh my gosh, I want to hear all about it. Chloe, you finished with the questions? Yeah, I was just <laughs> going to say, I remember asking my mum in a, like, I was like, mum, one day when I'm ready to give birth, I'd like you to be there. She's like, no way. <laughs> I was like, righto. Okay. She's had four cesareans. So I, I would have had my mum and my sister, mm. but it was peak COVID. And yeah. so we... Oh. I mean, I still had a home birth, but I didn't have a private midwife. I went through the group practice um, here in Newcastle. And so they had their rules of you could only have one support person, mm. which was That was stable. such a effed up time for women birthing. Yeah. Like yeah. some people were having to wear masks yeah, while they're birthing. I know. Like it's like. You, we had to do a, a COVID test a couple of days before. Like there is nothing more oh. anxiety inducing than, you know, potentially being asymptomatic and having COVID and then that changing your birth plan. Tell us, when did you start to go into labour? How many weeks were you? I was 40 weeks in one day, which I was very surprised about. My whole pregnancy, I was like 42 weeks, 42 weeks I'll go to. Like mm. they're not coming until into August Nope, she definitely came in July. <laughs> yeah, okay. And so how did that, what happened? Talk us through. Yeah, so I went into labour at about 3am on the Sunday um, and I sort of just got up because I felt like the tightening and the cramping starting to happen and I was like, oh, they're a little bit more intense than what I felt before. So I got up um, out of bed and just went and laid on the lounge and was just keeping an eye on the time and seeing what was going on. And they were quite consistently every like 20 minutes or so um, and I was in and out of sleep in between them. And then at about 7 a.m., I remember um, going to the bathroom and I started to see my mucus plug coming up. And um, I was like, oh, that's different. Um, so I went in to go grab some period undies in the bedroom and Matt sort of shot up in bed and he was like, where have you been? Like, are you okay? Is it something starting? And I was like, yeah, it's starting to feel like something's coming on. And he was like, oh, my gosh, like, what do like I do Christmas. next? What do I do now? I'm like, just chill. It's fine. Like, we yeah. don't need to go anywhere. We don't need to do anything. So I just laid next to him. We were just chatting about like sort of who we can message and like what we need to do. And then all of a sudden he had his hand on my belly and we I felt like this pop and he was like, oh, I think it's just a kick. And I was like, no, I think it's a pop. Like it sounded different. And I ran to the bathroom, but nothing really come out. And I'm assuming now looking back on it, that's when my water started to, uh, well, broke and started to trickle, but it wasn't enough for me to really notice. More of my mucus plug was coming out and Matt was like, all right, we'll get up and I'll make you some breakfast. I was like, great. I really want ham, cheese and pickle toasty. Like that's all I wanted. <laughs> Yum. I like, that's exactly what I wanted. So he made that for me. And by that point I'd started messaging the midwife and um, the girls, like my birth team. And um, I was just like, yeah, hey, things are starting. But because of all I've read, I was kind of like, oh, it'll probably die off in the day. And I was like, I know I'm going to give birth in the nighttime. It's, I don't think I'll birth in the day at all. So I was like, it will probably die off. Don't worry about anything. Just wanted to let you know what was going on. Anna messaged me back and said, yep, it'll probably go for another, like either today or the next couple of days. So just keep an eye on it and keep me updated. All good. By the time Matt had brought me the toasty, I started um, eating it and this huge wave of nausea come over me. And I was like, oh, I don't think I can eat that. I went and threw it up with a couple of bites that I had. And then contractions were on every three minutes right from there. And I was on the floor and I was like, all right, I've got to get something going because it's really intense. So I got the um, TENS, tens machine. machine. 
Yeah. Yep. Hands and knees. I don't know why yep. I need to know that, but just, no, hands and knees the, the whole time. Yeah. My okay. knees were bruised for four days yeah. because yeah. the only position for me was comfortable was hands and knees. And my the palms of my hands had bruises from that yeah. and the comb. I had a birth comb as well. Oh, how was the birth comb? Great. Loved it. Used it majority of the time. Yeah, I've heard good things about the birth comb. Yeah. Uh, but I had yeah, bruises, dotted bruises all along <laughs> my hands. Um, but from there, yeah, I got, it got really intense and um, a friend was coming over just to check in, um, Claudia, one of the girls was going to come to the birth anyway. And she was just going to come in, check in, have a cuppa. By the time she arrived at 11 o'clock, I couldn't even communicate with her. I was mm. on the floor already moaning, like just in my own little space, Matt's vacuuming and cooking chickens and just chilling out in the kitchen <laughs> <laughs> um, for food later. And because Indeed, we had Matt. the place- we hadn't planned anything for food or anything. I was like, I wanted to cook, make something for the midwives after birth and all that. I was like, you have to make sure you go and get food and get everything sorted. So that's what he was doing while I was just hanging out, going through labour in the uh, front room. So hang on, I have a question. When you, yep. because I also vomited um, when when I was in labour with Otto and I remember vomiting and then having zero energy but I think I'd I'd been in labor for however many hours at that point but I remember like it took everything out of me did you feel that way or did you feel you didn't feel like you needed to eat or anything it was very much the start so I Mm -hmm. really wasn't bothered and from it was actually interesting from my history with my um, period pain I would often vomit um from the pain of my period Mm -hmm. so Um, it's more like a pain response or like a yeah yeah because I didn't again um even when it got really intense I didn't vomit again Mm, interesting yeah yeah um so yeah the time sort of got blurry in the middle of the day the only time I really knew that there was a shift and I kind of had an idea of what time it was was about sunset and that's when I was like shit I've been doing this all day um (laughs) like oh my gosh this is getting intense and um by then I'd been in the birth pool I'd ran the water out in the shower um so everyone had like big pots of water going on the stove um, to try and warm up up the birth pool for me in the afternoon was when I finally got into the pool and my midwife arrived at around about um like four o'clock in the afternoon and then so did my other friend Bella so they were both here um and at that point I'd finally got into the pool and I was feeling better like the water was such a relief I didn't really have any kind of wants or needs to birth in the water I was kind of like nah, I don't really mind like where it is I'll just go with what I'm feeling on the day and the water was so relieving like it just it slowed contractions slightly but it just took a weight off I felt mm-hmm. much more weightless which was amazing um and the girls started feeding me like dates and like I had labor aid that I'd made with like um, calcium and magnesium in it, which was really helpful at that point. Which is for people if they don't know, like a, like a electrolyte electrolyte drink. drink, Yeah. 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 Sorry. It was, uh, and I froze it. So it was in, um, because I was really hot as well throughout the whole time. I had, I found out later on that I had the air con on and I kept telling them not to turn it off because I kept turning off thinking it was too cold because they all had jackets on and I was like, (laughs) I was burning up and I was like, sorry. Um, there was actually a second midwife that slipped in and uh, she told me that she was there at like eight o'clock at night or something, but I don't even remember her coming in um, at the end of the birth. I remember being like, oh, hey, Geisha. Yeah. I didn't even notice you were Would here. you like a cup of tea? Yeah, it's yeah. funny, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. well, I heard that making everyone cups of tea and like it was really weird. Like I, could, I couldn't communicate with people. Like I was making lots of low sounds, but everything in my mind was still going. I remember thinking, 
shit, someone's got to go like and get food for everyone. So then after the birth, they can have food. And I was like, thinking, I was like, stop worrying about that. I'm worrying. About, like, I need to be birthing this baby, not worrying about who's got food. <laughs> someone went and got food. So it was fine. Oh, good. I was going to say, yeah. who was it in the end? Did someone pull their weight? <laughs> and so, so Claudia, did you notice Claudia, a transition Claudia. when it did turn nighttime like when that sort of melatonin reduction of cortisol sort of change started occurring yes definitely everything slowed down but also slowed down in terms of like the room felt a lot more cozy and like we had salt lamps all set up and like sheets and towels everywhere so I could just sort of move where I needed to and um being in the birth pool I was I just didn't want to move from there. I did get moved out of there for a little while because it was slowing down too much and they put me on, um, I was laboring on the uh, toilet for a little while, but that got really intense. Um, so I was just like, let me back in the birth pool. Uh, so they were heating up because it was getting cold too. So they had to keep heating up pots on the stove. So um, they were pouring them back in. And eventually when I got back in, I started, like I hit, I knew the transition was coming because I was starting to feel that fear pop in. Mm-hmm. and because I was going through that like sleepy in between sort of everyone was even Matt had a nap on the lounge the girls were sort of laying around the pool everyone was chill and then all of a sudden I just felt like oh my god like this is taking too long I need to get going like I need to start moving her down like I'm gonna have to end up in hospital if I don't do this and it was like all these fears popping up and then I was like ah no I'm going through transition so that's when everything started to speed up again. And I could actually, I kept saying to Anna, do you want to check me? Like, is everything okay? And she was like, no, that's fine. And then I was like, hang on, I could check myself. So I actually checked myself and could feel um, baby's head, like in my vaginal canal. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's close. Like I can feel her really close. But then I think that kind of hindered me as well, because then I kept trying to push to get mm. further, but it needs, she like that she needs to take her time to come down um and that was a little bit frustrating to be honest and even when she got to my perineum and was really pushing and um like so they often come in and out by stretching mm. the perineum but it was the most infuriating thing going through a contraction and the, like I could feel her head pushing and everything stretching and then she popped back in and I was like no <laughs> and I actually did um get to the point where I was just so frustrated that I pushed and I was like I'm gonna tear but I'm getting this head out so um, I did end up with a second degree tear, um, but I got her head out and I was like, oh, so much relief. And then there was about three minutes between that contraction and the next one. And I could feel her final kick and her twist, her shoulders to come out. Um, and yeah, I, she swam in the water and I kind of pulled her up and onto my chest uh, myself, which was amazing. Wow. It's just, yeah. it's wild, isn't it? Like <clears throat> the moment or the moments between birthing the head and then the rest of the body. And like, you can feel like, I remember with Otto, I could, I felt him kind of shimmy, like, yeah, yeah. Was. <laughs> like he was just trying to get his shoulders out. And so it literally felt like a shimmy, which is so his personality. I love it. <laughs> um, and then like the body just like slipped out. It was like the weirdest, it's the weirdest feeling, isn't it? Oh, the best relief too. Like yes. Once <laughs> yeah. Out of- <laughs> Oh, I can breathe. Wow, oh, that is incredible. So how many hours are we talking in labour? I think it was 15 of active labour. Yeah. 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 How did Before, you feel after? Like what happened after? Um, Amazing after, honestly. Like I was on a huge high. I remember Matt being like, how are you functional right now? Like I wasn't talking to you 30 minutes ago. Like, mm-hmm. You're like, where's the chicken? Yeah, who's got the food? Give me a cup of tea. <laughs> that's what I wanted yeah yeah I remember and, looking at him and um being like 
should we see what she like because we didn't know it was a girl either we that was a surprise um too I was like oh we need to see who, who she is or who they are so I turned her over and then I, I checked twice because everyone swore that I was having yes. a boy even you Georgia was yes so I was confident being, I was really yeah. confident yeah so <laughs> we're being like hang on a second I think it's a girl and checking again and being like this is like this is opal and I know it and Matt was like I think so and he was blubbering and I remember all I could oh, hear bless. in that last push um getting her body out all I could hear was Claudia and Bella my two friends that were there just sobbing in, around <laughs> the pool which was beautiful yeah so afterwards we pretty much just um I hung in the pool for around about 20 minutes and just let her do breast crawl and she found it quite easy and just latched and we we're just hanging out in the water um and then I got started to get a bit cold so um, I got the midwife to help me out and onto the lounge, um, which we put like sheets down and stuff so I could just hang out there. And it wasn't for about an hour. Um, that's when I started getting afterbirth pains and the placenta um, started coming out, which was... I got um, about a lot- the placenta. Yeah. So a lot of people do. It. It's not over until the placenta. Like, what the- and then when you see it, you're like, wow, where was that it's amazing. hiding? Yeah, it's wild, yeah. isn't it? Did your midwife go through the placenta with you? Yeah. Yeah, it was so cool to see. It was honestly amazing. We just left her connected um, until I did birth the um, uh, placenta as well. So she got like all the blood that was like was completely white, the umbilical cords. Mm. So that was easy. And she just kept feeding um, while the girls have spoon fed me um, curry and tea. Um, and uh, once we finally, placenta was birthed, I um, gave her to Matt for some skin to skin uh, and then uh, the girls got me into the shower and I was able to have a quick shower and then end up cozy back on um, the lounge and everyone was kind of gone by 2am which was amazing. And that's like it's so nice when you just hop back into bed and you know it's yeah those first few days it's just it's wild but it's so beautiful that you're just at home. Yeah absolutely and knowing that the midwife was just turning back up again in like she was back by 10 a.m that next morning and she was there to help with breastfeeding and any of those questions they had and she was there for the next five days every day um and then uh, it become weekly from there but having that support in those first five days of her just turning up at home was amazing Mm, and then did she turn up is it for six weeks postpartum that you have her care Yes, yeah. Like that's unheard that's, of. It is unheard of, and like that's worth the money because it's not cheap. It's like what five, six grand or something to have a private midwife. Yeah, it can range between six and ten, I think, depending on okay. the midwife. Um, but you do get a little bit back from um Medicare, so you can claim on antenatal and postnatal care. Yeah. Okay. Like even that postpartum care is just so worth, so worth it. And and tell us how was your postpartum experience. Postpartum was um, actually amazing, like a very slow. I <laughs> have an issue with being slow, so I did a lot of work throughout pregnancy with my nervous system and making sure I was okay with just sitting and doing nothing, which was really quite hard. Um, but I am glad that I did that work previously because postpartum was really nice to just do nothing. We didn't have anyone come and visit for the first five days, um, which was actually really important for us. We really wanted to be in our own little space to make sure the cocoon was safe because obviously being uh, giving birth there as well, it was a very safe space too. So um, Matt and I just spent a lot of time hanging out, eating lots of really good food. We had lots of frozen food ready to go. Um, we had friends dropping food around. Did um, you have to tell your neighbours, like, if you hear anything, it's just me birthing, like, we did actually tell them we have a bunch of students living next door. Okay, good. Yeah. 
<laughs> I got four students and I was like, so um, we're having a home birth. I hope you're okay with that. Um, so if you hear anything, don't call the cops. It's fine. It's all good. <laughs> um, but turns out apparently I wasn't that loud anyway. I mm. thought I was, um, but my midwife was like, no, you're fine. Because uh, I made a lot of low noises, so you could barely hear it anyway, apparently. Um, I had a, a birth playlist playing the whole time as well, which was really nice. Um, so I was able to sort of like hum to that, which really helped. Mm. A lot of people forget about that postpartum time. And there's so much emphasis on the birth when that's almost like the sprint and then the postpartum's like the marathon time and making sure that you have adequate support. Um, but I guess from my perspective, as somebody who's never birthed, it's so hard to know what to expect when you've never gone through it before. Mm -hmm that's what I'm sort of would struggle with. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I went a bit gung-ho with like planning everything to make sure that I did have a nice postpartum, but I'm actually glad I did. Like I cooked a lot of meals beforehand. Um, I made sure I had a lot of snacks. Snacks were really important. And I think I say this to all my clients anyway, I'm like, make sure you've got snacks. And I'm really glad that I do tell them that because that was the one thing that I really needed was just really good quality, like cookies and like brownies and um, even like uh, mackerel and sweet potato um, patties and like things like that that I could really quickly grab but they were easy to eat and really filling because you go get so hungry breastfeeding um luckily enough my midwife was also a lactation consultant because she really helped me I was a bit nervous about breastfeeding um just with a lot of people saying that it's really hard and like it can be really taxing and there wasn't a lot of information about it either mm -hmm. so I was really glad that I had her for that too just to make sure because the first day I did struggle with a latch with um opal and um she did shred one of my nipples which was mm. so painful I'm sure every mom could probably vouch for it but luckily enough Anna picked up on it and then I was okay from then but it took a good five days for the nipple to even heal and that was just one of them so I'm so glad she picked up on it yeah it's heaps and the problem is that like you can't stop breastfeeding because otherwise you're then going to yep. get mastitis or something so you've just got to do like different positions there's a position called a football, the football hold, hold. So yeah. I walk around with like this baby whose legs are like under my armpit. <laughs> <laughs> Takia, did you experience like a, a a lull in mood? You know how people sort of say that that can happen for them. I guess everyone's so individual, but tell us about your experience with that. Yeah, I think the um, emotional side was actually the hardest part of postpartum and the most surprising part for me as well. Um the physical, I felt like my body was really easy, like a healed, so everything was happening, whereas the mental was really quite tough. Like it was in that probably around that two to three week mark and the drop, the hormonal drop that um, you get was massive. Like I was so teary and like so overwhelmed, really overwhelmed with visitors as well. If we had one or two people coming in the day, by the end of the day, I was wreck and I couldn't explain why. And I just was yeah, it was really hard to get through. And I felt kind of guilty as well for feeling so upset because I had this amazing baby and I'd just been through the most beautiful experience that I'd really wanted. And like I had these people coming around to support me, but I just, I was so vulnerable. Yeah. And no one knows like how you're going to feel or what you want. You it's just have to, to be plan. intuitive. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to plan for. And I think you know, going back to like putting boundaries in, like when you're early pregnant and it's like, you know, I'll let you know when the baby's here. I'll let you know when we're ready for visitors. I'll let you know when you can come and stay or, you know, so be. But 
it's it's hard, particularly first time around, because you just don't know. I mean, in subsequent times too, but you just don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how you're going to feel. You don't know if you want to even see that person or even talk about anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And even for Matt, just knowing that that was okay too. Like we'd had a lot of conversations beforehand, um, but it, like I said, it was a lot bigger than what I thought, that emotional um, change. And for him just to know that that was going to happen. But then he also reached out to a couple of his mates and was like, hey, how did you go about just supporting um, your partner when they were um, going through this as well? And he was able to, um, to speak to some of his friends, which was really good. What we're going to do is put together a post, I think, okay, okay. <laughs> of all of Takia, your recommendations. We'll this and then she'll be like, so are you right to do that You're right post? You're right to do that post uh, <laughs> sent out um, by 8am tomorrow. No, I would love to put together a post of all of the things that you could recommend for people who would, would like to plan a home birth in oh, terms yeah, that's of a good idea. resources, in terms of, like you said, recipes, those sorts of things, just like a, a, like a mini guide um, from your to. experience. Just a 50-page yeah. ebook, book uh, <laughs> referenced with, you know, meta-analyses from the last five years would be fine. fine. Yeah, just in your spare time. I would love that. I'm happy to. Oh, goodness. Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey, TK. We have been I'm longing. I'm on the edge of my seat. That I know, like, like literally, I'm like, I need to sit back. This is going to be too loud. You're it's just <laughs> like, you've like, even though, you know, Opal is now, gosh, how old? Three months? Four? Three and a half months. Three yeah. and a half months. Like it still feels like this nice, beautiful, safe, welcoming bubble. Like it's just, birthing is just the most phenomenal thing and, Thank you for letting us be in your space and share this with the millions of listeners. Our millions of followers. Thank you for sharing that. My mum and Chloe's <laughs> Actually, my mum probably wouldn't listen to this. She's like, I don't want to hear any more birthing stories. <laughs> Thank you so much, Takia. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to have you back in January. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, leave us a review and follow us on socials. We'd love to hear from you. 